Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Kat Napsok for another edition of Star Wars Rank. Me and a guest ranking things in Star Wars. It's what we kind of do here. And due to travel, due to just each of us trying to get a little 
bit of, you know, just time to ourselves, not in the Star Wars podcasting galaxy, Joseph Scrimshaw, my uh, normal uh, guest here on the show, my normal uh, uh, co-pilot in this rank seat is on the road. So I was going to do a, a solo Star Wars rank, which I do from every every now and then. I'll just sit down by myself and I can talk to myself and you guys can choose to listen or not. I don't know. Uh, but I, I have a lot of fun doing that. But I thought I can't do this alone. So Today on the show, special guest ranking a big topic. You have heard her on the Galactic Broadcast, also the Geek Broadcast. It is Lauren Roma. Welcome back to the show, Lauren. As Kenobi said to General Grievous, hello there. How are you, Ken? I am doing wonderful, wonderful, Lauren. So good to have you back. How's it going out there in the uh, Star Wars podcasting world for you at the Galactic uh, Podcast there? Yeah, we're doing good, man. Playing, uh, just doing some fun stuff. Did, uh, did the Bad Batch reviews, all that jazz. We are going to do some book reviews, get back into that. So a lot of High Republic, uh, as you and Joseph, you know, have done too. A lot of good stuff in, in there for sure to talk about. Yeah. You know, we're blessed. We, we, we aren't going to run out of things to talk about for a long time. And even then, <laughs> right, right, we can right. revisit them and find new things about them there. That's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the show, we'll tell you where to listen to all of Lauren's podcasts and follow along if uh, you so choose. Uh, but we are going to dive into a big topic today. And, and when I have a guest on, I often say, hey, what do you want to rank? Where does your heart go? Lauren had some great topics, but this one just jumped out because we actually haven't done it here. We did one similar to this. But today we are going to be ranking our favorite Star Wars Rebels episodes. That's right. Our favorite, which often coincide with the best. But today it is a personal, personal choice for each and every episode. Lauren, uh, what drew you to this topic today? You know, I I love Rebels so much. And we've talked about it on the Galactic Podcast, too. We did like a four-episode series on it. It's just something that I have just really connected with when it came out and since it came out just one of those shows that I have in the background, just doing stuff. It's just one of those stories in Star Wars that is so good. So many themes in it that we'll, we'll probably talk about obviously today. Just a lot of stuff to love about Rebels. The char- I mean, just beyond the characters themselves, just the stories, the themes that they presented in that show. Fantastic. 100% Star Wars feels. And I love it. I mean, it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars Rebels fans are pretty passionate for reason. And I, and I kind of right. phrase it like that, not that it's outside the bounds of of Star Wars overall. Most Star Wars fans love the show, but there's there's a specific kind of Star Wars Rebels fan genre that I love because you're in the center of that and I am as well. And on the previous episode of Star Wars Rank, this was a few years ago now. Uh, me and Geek Girl Diva uh, ranked our uh, favorite Star Wars Rebels moments, which is not the episodes there. Just going to the big moments. Uh, and then Emma Fife and I ranked, I think, an early, might be like episode three or four Star Wars ranked. We ranked, uh, watched, uh, excuse me, listed five reasons to watch Star Wars Rebels. So we've really talked talked about the show a little bit. But uh, you're right, Lauren. This this show is so just complete uh, as an experience as you'll get as a Star Wars fan. Big right. themes, moments, action fun comedy and all under the guise of a dare I say it started out as a kid's show, but I don't think it ever was going to stay there. Yeah. No. Yeah. God, the, the dark themes that they hit in this show, especially in season two, season three, Mm -hmm. some heavy stuff, heavy, heavy stuff. And like you said, it goes beyond, you know, yeah. Kids show. There's a lot of great moments, a lot of fun. Like you're saying those comedic beats, 
that were really, you know, Star Wars feels. But man, there are some really deep, 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 dark themes. As like I said, in season two, season three, and even season four, like, man, there's just some, some stuff that it's, it's big. It's really big. And it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of Clone Wars-y, but a little bit more, a little bit darker, I think at times. And it's just wonderful stuff. Just wonderful stuff. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, and I am someone, and I always say it to myself, you know, this is 2014 when this show launches. It was kind of the big thing out uh, of the new Star Wars uh, Disney era. And therefore, you know, I, I, I didn't fully grasp what was going on on, on Jedi Alliance with Maud Garrett. I even kind of took some shots at the show at times. And then I've grown up as a Star Wars fan and have co- maybe caught up with the show. The show didn't need to catch up with me. I needed to catch up with the show. And I even remember thinking after I was like, I love this show and I, I here for Star Wars Rebels, I would always say, but I don't know, the first season, maybe it's a little kitty more, more kitty like. And I don't know if I like it. I, I recently did a, a rewatch of um, about the first two and a half seasons. And then Joseph and I started the Clone Wars report. So I've been watching that. But I, I was blown away at season one. I was like, oh, no, I completely got lost behind the puffer pegs. And I thought that was all the, the, the season one was offering. It goes deep pretty much right from the start big themes of family issues and, uh, mm-hmm. and why we're fighting. So yeah, Lauren, I apologize to Star Wars Rebels. Can you accept it on its behalf? <laughs> I accept. We we Rebels, <laughs> you know, group got to stick together. And you're and I, I want to pick up on what you said, Ken, on, on oh. real quick on season one, because it is, I mean, when you go back and watch, just like you said, big stuff. I mean, just mm-hmm. big stuff and just the the storytelling and how it really sets up the entire series. And we'll 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 probably talk a little about it today in some of the episodes we we have favorite moment you know favorite episodes. Yeah, it's just man that season one. I don't think it gets talked about enough, only because season two, season three are so great. Season yeah. four, you know, it kind of gets like, oh yeah, season one was good, but it it it's it's sneaky good. Like it is very sneaky good in my it's- opinion for sure. Sneaky good is fair to say. And you know why? It doesn't get its full due, probably because of uh, jerk pundits like me who are like, ah, nothing but puppet <laughs> and, and again, this is after, like, by season two, I was like, oh, no, I get it. The show's great. But to go back and revisit season one, it's all there from the start. So yep. we're going to dive into this. As I said, the topic is our favorite Star Wars Rebels episodes. But that also could mean they are the best of the best. But let's dive in. Lauren, we're going to begin with your number five. All right, so my number five, and speaking of season one, I have a season one, episode nine, called The Gathering. Mm. Big episode, just, it's on the heels of the previous episode of Empire Day, which is is really, again, a really another great episode um, mm-hmm. to that goes with this episode. Big themes in this episode, for sure. You know, we find out that Ezra's parents, who, um, mm-hmm. his friend Zebo who they find in the previous episode, he tells Ezra and the crew that he knows what happens to Ezra's parents, which is a huge through line in the first season and even into the second season, you know, and Ezra dealing with that, being afraid of knowing what actually has happened to his parents. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal with, uh, with Ezra and within, like I said, the first season, season and a half uh, of season, uh, season one, season two. And, you know, again, a great, as, as great Star Wars does, you know, the, the, the teacher, Kanan, uses the opportunity to teach Ezra how to deal with being afraid and to learn to let go. And within that lesson, he learns how to make a strong connection with the force with 
creatures, which is mm. we know, you know, throughout the series is a huge thing for Ezra is this connection with the forest, but specifically with the the many creatures of the forest. And we don't really see that, you know, in previous Star Wars. So it's really cool to kind of see the beginning of it in season one and the, especially yeah. this episode. Um you know, in this episode, we end up in an axis, which we have seen before in various different Star Wars in uh, season seven of Clone Wars. We were there previously in uh, this season of season one as well. And obviously the why they go to an axis is that Kanan and Ezra are leading the Great Inquisitor and the rest of the crew that are after them because they got um, they put a tracking device on the Phantom. All this, you know, all this stuff happens, but some one of the things when they get to the Nexus is, you know, again, that lesson of Kanan teaching Ezra to let go and not to be afraid. And there's some great images. Once the great inquisitor and the crew shows up, there's that great image of Kanan and Ezra meditating. Mm-hmm. And then those shadow creatures, you know, start coming and helping them. It's really, really, again, great, 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 great animation. I love it so much. Yeah. But I think what, you know, what's really big moving forward in this episode was neither Kanan nor Ezra was really ready, you know, for his emotions to get the best of him. And obviously we know what happens is, you know, Ezra gets afraid, you know, once the Grand Inquisitor kind of gets, uh, gets Kanan down, he starts talking to Ezra about, you know, a lot of, you know, about being not ready and that, you know, Kanan's not his best teacher and he lets those fears and emotions get the best of him. And because of that, he gets and summons that largest shadow creature to attack the Grand Inquisitor and all those stormtroopers. And it's a really powerful moment, but also it makes Kanan realize that he needs to change his approach in teaching Ezra because, yeah. ooh, man, that's a, that's a dark, 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 dark path that he, you know, kind of touches there. And, and it's great that Kanan realizes it and notices it. And it, it and this episode kind of leads into the 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 next episode of uh, Path of the Jedi, mm-hmm. you know. So just man, just big moments, and I get for me the big thing of Ezra and creatures, the Force connections, and then Kanan realizing that he has to change his approach with Ezra because his powers are growing so much, and mm. you know that like I said, leads into that great episode of Path of the Jedi. So yeah, the, the Gathering, season one, episode nine. Great yeah. stuff. Great, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gathering Forces, uh, directed by Stuart Lee, Greg Weissman, who also did a lot of the great early comic work with the Marvel Star Wars stuff mm-hmm. in the Disney era. Uh, I'm looking at the it aired November 24th, 2014. Holy moly, where were you back then? That's a right. long time ago now, right? right? <laughs> Feels long. Feels Seems long. like innocent times. <laughs> and this was also kind of the season one first half finale. They wouldn't come back till January uh, in 2015. And right. we're still... Almost a year away from Force Awakens hitting theaters. Crazy time. And uh, Lauren, mm-hmm. every, you hit on everything that I love about this episode and everything that I needed to sit down and kind of be honest with myself about about season one. This is about two, three years ago where I did this. I, I was like, I, you know, I love Rebels. I'm going to rewatch it. And then season one, just, man, I was humbled by how great the season is. Everything, we got big uh, fear, uh, Ezra and, and, and fear with his parents and uh, not knowing what happened to them and how that's got a grip on them. The, the connection, the organic connection with the Frynox, which is so important. And then we know that's that's a season one tease of what's coming in season four with right. Ezra and right. the Purgle and Thrawn. We don't even know yet. I, I love that kind of long play there. But really, it's about the themes. You're right. The big one there, anger. Ezra, anger, fear, 
hate, suffering. We know how that goes. And to see it play with Ezra, it was it's a punch. It's an emotional punch and a great way to end uh, the the first half of the season. Great way to start our list there. I, I love that you chose this one. Yeah, it's like you said, it's just it's such a deep connection. It's so foreshadowing, kind of like we're talking about of Ezra's journey, the rest of the series. I mean, like you said, the Purgle and how much that, you know, connects to season four and all that finale. Like it really is. Season one does such a great job of setting up the long story and things that will happen down the line that come back up you know, within the next season and two. And it's just, it's amazing stuff. But again, that dark side of Ezra, again, we see that in the next season too. And we yeah. see it in a little bit in season three. So it all plays so well. Like it's just, it's just good storytelling. And you, we didn't know it. We didn't know it. Like you're saying, November what this came out. And then we wouldn't know for like three, four years how, yeah. how connections were made in season yeah. one. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. Patience indeed. Yeah. And the stuff with Kanan, uh, and, and and him not knowing how to teach or how best to teach, not wanting to teach, all those kind of things as well, which we know we're going to build and be part of Kanan's character. It's all right. there. So, right. yeah. November 2014, where were you when Star Wars was already great and you were just, uh, you know, worried about the puffer pigs? Like <laughs> right. Great way to start our list, Lauren. Love that you went to season one. From there, we are going to go to my number five and we're going to season two. Episode 12, A Princess on Lothal. This is the episode in which Leia, Princess of Alderaan, shows up into Star Wars Rebels. And that's a pretty big, um, uh, that's... That's a pretty big kind of, uh, you know, play. Like, we're we're in season two. We're like, hey, we're going to bring you Leia. Leia's coming in. And again, (laughs) they pull it off. And I really think they do. I even have the figure of this, uh, the three and three quarter uh, Leia figure from this episode hangs on my wall. I just love it so much. Uh, No easy task. And at the time, there was a little bit of that. You started hearing that word filler or, uh, you know, they bring Leia back and this is what they do. I remember those conversations. And I remember even the people involved with it. I was like, I can't remember exactly who tweeted it out. But after Rogue One, which would come later in this year because this episode aired January 2016 and the Hammerhead Corvettes show up. Well, this is the episode that Leia brings the Hammerhead Corvettes into the rebellion. And one of the writers, someone tweeted out like, huh, how's your, how's your filler episode now? Huh? The connections were there, but beyond just uh, that, the themes of, uh, of what they're fighting for just runs through all this uh, episode and including what Leia is fighting for. Ezra asks her and, and directly talks about, Hey, you're a princess. You don't need to be involved. And, and have you ever, you know, I'm not, I'm not quoting directly here, but also asking her kind of like, did you, do you ever think this is all worth it? And Leia admits, no, sometimes I don't. And remember Leia at this point, we're kind of, she's kind of 16, 17 year old range. She's after the events of Claudia Gray's Princess of Alderaan. She's still a teenager. She's still trying to uh, figure out just who she is. And here she is in this big fight, which is always kind of Leia's thing. She's going to maybe sacrifice a little bit of herself for the greater cause. And, and I think that's a theme that runs through. Uh, and, and, and this episode touches on that. It also goes into uh, Ryder Zadi uh, deciding to go, go back to Lethal, join the fight. And there's some wonderful shots with young Leia and her empathy. And we can see that and her understanding with Ezra and then watching Ezra dealing with the news that his parents are dead, which is something, you know, that goes back to even the season one stuff that you were talking about. And it's just, even now it's sad to just kind of watch her 
watch Ezra dealing with the death of his parents, knowing knowing what's coming for her. And again, the Hammerhead Corvettes, if you like a good Hammerhead Corvette. So that's my episode to start it off here. What do you think about A Princess on Lothal, Lauren? Great episode. I mean, again, underappreciated in, like you said, the whole filler talk. It it really rings and shows connections of, like you're saying, Leia. And Leia beginning her journey of being a, a, a leader. You know, even at one point in the episode, she was, you know, asking the crew, don't tell me how or don't tell me why. Tell me how we can get these ships unlocked. Like she was just that rock steady leader, even at that young age. And it was beautiful to see. And then and then I'm so glad you brought that up of Ezra and Leia connection, you know, just understanding that, you know, even though they are young, they can still make a difference. And her speech about like, I think you, like you brought it up kind of, you know, because I am a princess, I feel like I have an obligation to do something. Mm-hmm. And that, and that really hit Ezra. You know, you could tell that he took that to heart and it was so great that those two got that small interaction. It's a beautiful scene. And then one of, one of my, one of my favorite shots in this episode though, is Kanan in the stormtrooper in the storm mm-hmm. trooper outfit with the lightsaber running at a AT-AT. Like that was just insane. And Kiner with the music is so good. I mean, we could talk about Kiner forever, but his theme for Kanan is one of my favorites. And it's a beautiful little melody that he plays when he does take out that walker. Mm -hmm. It's just good stuff. And then like you're saying, then Leia giving permission to Ezra to stun her. It's just an all around great, great episode. It really is. Yeah, played on Leia with a with a good stun shot, stun gun shot, you know, that we're going to see in New Hope, but playing around with that. And right, right. Yeah, yeah you touched on a lot of things I just absolutely love about this episode. Uh, and, and and there's a great shot. I was re-watching it this morning, and there's a great shot of Leia. The, the animation looks great. The character design is great. Looking at, like, the stars of Rebels, right? It's like Hera, Ezra, mm-hmm. Deb, you know, Kaden, they're all, and seeing their family and seeing their connection and, and kind of, again, this question of what do you, what are you fighting for? And it's things like that, or maybe even more with this particular group, maybe Leia's looking at him and saying, yeah, this is why we're going to win because mm-hmm. we have this behind us. We have these people and these connections and they know what they're fighting for as long as we can get all on the same page with that. I think all that stuff's at play there, which again, going to the thing, and you and I can have this discussion here. We're, we're still fighting this filler conversation uh, that pops up every now and then that is just Lord, it's we don't want to get snarky. We don't want to get a little nasty, but it's, it's just <laughs> the most useless conversation around yeah. Star Wars, around probably a lot of things. And I know filler where it comes from and its connections to anime and its connection, you know, a good sitcom can have some filler. I, I get it. And there's some episodes that are more impactful than others. That's never something I'm going to fight. But, but Lauren, th- this idea that these themes are what are important to this episode and the show, and they are on display here. Right. Yeah. That, that's the thing I think with Rebels is that. These episodes that, you know, people will say are filler, the themes in them are really what keep the story going and it just propels the episode and the entire series. I mean, it's just amazing, amazing storytelling that they did with Rebels. You know, and you talk about filler. I mean, look at, you know, Purgles in season two. Everybody made fun of it. Space whales. Ha ha ha. I I did. I'm sorry. That's another apology to Rebels. I I, (laughs) Space whales. I still kind of make fun of them. So so fair though, right? I mean, it was, but But then- but then in season four, who had the last laugh? Dave Filoni and his crew. I mean, they had I the mean, last laugh. 
if that's sure. one, one thing we've learned is Dave Filoni's always going to have the last laugh. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Right. Ken, <laughs> he will by any means he will have the last laugh, but yeah, the, you know, the whole filler, I, like you're saying, we understand where it's coming from, but if you look at it, I think how, how you and I look at it in many ways of themes and everything like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. there is no filler. I mean, there is no filler. Andrea and I have talked about that in our show too. You know, you just have to look at the bigger picture and the overall story of what they're telling. I mean, Bad Batch, Clone Wars, all of that. It's it's important to really kind of sometimes step back and just say, you know what? What what are they trying to tell me in this episode? What's what's the main main theme, main idea that mm-hmm. they're giving to us? And then it all makes sense in the end, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I all make sense in the end. Lauren Roma with words of wisdom. Uh, <laughs> part to my list, uh, episode 12 of season two, A Princess on Lothal. From there, we're going to your number four. Yeah, so number four, number four, uh, we're going to ep- uh, season two, episode seven, Wings of Masters. And if you're a big Harrison Dula fan like I am, man, this was a fantastic Hera-based episode. I mean, she heads to Chantepole uh, with Sabine and Zeb to look at a prototype B-Wing, which was really cool. I mean, if you're into ships, like a lot of Star Wars fans are, B-Wing showing up was really, really cool. Really? And for, yeah, and for Hera to be the one that is piloting it was even better. Um, you know, and the reason that the Quarren, uh, I think th- I think they named him Quarry, which mm. was really which is yeah. really funny, the character. But I think it was a little uh, homage to Ralph McQuarrie, I believe, as well. So, yeah. again, deeper themes. If you looked at it, you, you know, you, you'll know it. But, you know, him picking this planet, you know, specifically to build the ship is because of how difficult it was to fly in it in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And you see that when um, Hera and, the, and Sabine and Zeb come in and they're having a trouble time, you know, trouble time getting through it. You know, and then I, it, it's fun to see how she talks to uh, Quarry about why why she feels she is the one to pilot the ship. And she yeah. talks about growing up and wanting to fly, which is such a nice little, if you go, to, you know, watching Bad Batch in season yeah. one, yeah. you see that. And it's, again, it's the small stuff. It's connections. It's beautiful. You know, she talks about, you know, dreaming for something bigger. You know, Star Wars is always about, you know, these characters dreaming of something bigger and looking for adventure. And Hera was no different. She wanted to fly. She wanted to make a difference. And, you know, that's what she even tells them is that she she is, she is chose to use her ability of flying to help others. You know, and it's such a beautiful sentiment from, from a character like Hera, who is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. And then her whole sequence of, you know, test flying that was great, you know, it just shows her ability, shows her flying ability. Uh, with a hundred percent, you know, no remorse, and to me, shows why she is one of the best pilots in the galaxy, by far. You know, and then obviously we get to really see that when she uses the prototype, when they have to get past the Imperial blockade to help deliver supplies to a group that's in need. You know, it's just really, really good stuff from Hera. I mean, it's one of my, you know, Hera is one of those characters that you you fell in love with from the beginning. And I love these little episodes of her. Uh, when we get it, when we get a more Hera heavy episodes, they're so good. Mm. Then even at the end of the episode, she gets promoted to Phoenix leader. So, you know, it's a it's just an overall great great episode, especially for being a Hera fan myself. You know, seeing the prototype B wing was fantastic. You know, just a lot of good 
fun Star Wars little Easter eggs and just fun stuff that happens this episode. And it's it's why I had to chose the number four. It's just good stuff, you know, strictly for Hera, but you know, a lot of other things. Uh, really great this episode. Love it. Stephen Melching wrote it. Uh, Filoni and Sergio Paez uh, di- co-directed it. Released November 11th, 2015. So we were so close. So close. A month away from Force Awakens. I yeah. love just tracking that, too. Just going back. I do this with the Game of Thrones rewatch on my podcast, Casually Talk, where I just love going back to that time and going, what were you thinking during this time? What were you? Where were you as a fan? And this is an interesting time for us fans. Love this choice, Lauren. This is a, a, a low-key great episode. This doesn't get a lot of uh, a conversation out there. I don't see a lot of, you know, there's bigger, there's bigger episodes discussed, some of which we're going to discuss here today, but wings of the master, the, the, the B wing, I didn't think I'd be so excited to see B wing. Yes. I'm a Y wing guy, but I love all the wings. <laughs> right. Right. I, I equal opportunity wing lover. And so seeing B the B wing, the blay wing was great. Yeah. Among the Mon Calamari quarry, uh, that's an immediate favorite to star Wars, uh, grump, uh, kind of character, grizzled weirdo, uh, character as uh, Joseph would say, uh, I love everything about it. And you want to just talk, there's some, you you really kind of uh, said all the right things about the themes there. Not much I, I feel I could add to that. But one of the favorite things I love, when this finally, when this episode kind of starts to wrap up and she has to break that blockade, the B-Wing in action is just one of those playground Star Wars cool moments. I love that. <laughs> 100%, right? Right. It was amazing to see it in action, you know, especially mm-hmm. a prototype and especially just for it to be Hera. I mean, yeah. it's just really, really great episode. And again, the the connections of her telling him that, you know, she always grew up wanting to fly and wanting to help others, you know, with that ability. It's just, I mean, you get to see it, like we said earlier, but in Bad Batch. And it's just good stuff overall for this episode. Just really, really good. Yeah, absolutely indeed. All right, uh, that is a great number four. We are going to go to season three, uh, and we are going to uh, this episode, uh, Hera's Heroes. Uh, This is uh, season three, episode five, uh, and uh, this is my fourth selection here. So this is, now we got in, in season two, we got with the episode Homecoming, we got some great stuff with Hera and Cham and kind of exploration of father-daughter stuff. This builds on mm-hmm. that a little bit here. But this yeah. this episode is kind of an emotional sequel to The Clone Wars. And now to Bad Batch. Now it's all connected to that. With the, <laughs> right, the right. episode arc um, with Hera, young Hera on that, which already you know connects to the, the, the Boone episode you're talking about. This episode, of course, has got some favorites. It's Blurgs, it's Gobi, it's Numa, all these characters coming back. And again, uh, this is, uh, you know, not necessarily new ground. Season two touches on us a little bit. But I just love this one here because we get get a first real example of Thrawn's style in this show. Thrawn was new for season three. This is him breaking down kind of the analysis of the the Calicori, which is the you know the the art piece representing the family legacy for the Sindulas, and that's uh, kind of the uh, one of the, you know dare I say MacGuffin in this episode. Her trying to get that, and this episode deals with a lot of family legacy. Where'd you come from? Where are you going? And where is home? And 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 how Hera kind of really sacrifices her home, her home, her home, uh, her home city where she was a Tan Province, where she was raised. Also, we get to see the Y wing. I'm jumping around here, Lauren. I apologize, but we see <laughs> no, that crash Y wing, which we also see in Bad Batches, you know. And this is we get that sweet, sad kind of moment with Chopper standing in front of the the Y wing, and Hera kind of saying, "This is where I pulled him out of when this Y wing crashed during the Clone War." 
and he, and he's kind of has issues, a little PTSD, a little heartbreak, and it's Chopper as a war veteran, which is something that someone who had a little tough time with Chopper early on, it took little moments like this to really, for me to start to seek Chopper in a different light. And Chopper, the war veteran, really spoke to me, uh, not a war veteran myself, I don't want to make that sound like I'm connecting to that side of it, but just to the character. Uh, and and the final thing here for, for me, this this uh, it doesn't matter where we come from, Admiral says Hera. Our will to be free is what's going to beat you, and the, and just how that connects to the bigger picture with the rebellion, how it connects to what Hera is going through, and her ability to detach from this idea of home, families that's uh, always going to be with her. The legacy is with her, not necessarily a place, uh, which is uh, I, I I think you know. Pretty solid, almost Jedi-like, dare I say. And one of the final lines she says is, uh, I'm surrounded by my family every day, which is very important to the ghost and the crew and the heart of this show. So Hera's Heroes, Season 3, Episode 5. Great stuff. I mean, it's such a great episode. I'm so glad you picked it because, again, you get to, and like I said you know, a little bit ago, I love the Hera Deep episodes. I mean, like you said, in season two, we go back to Ryloth. She has to deal with her, those emotions with her father. And now we, we're in season three and they've kind of reconciled, you know, the, and it's, it's a better, you know, understanding of one another. And then she, you know, like you're saying, seeing Chopper in, you know, kind of mourning the, where he came from and how Hera got him, man, just heavy stuff. And then again, Thrawn, I mean, mm. Peak Thrawn in this episode, you know, using the artistry and like you're saying, the artifacts to his advantage to really understand his opponents. And then to even get upset when his officer kind of shrugs off the Calicori as just some, you know, piece, kind of a piece of junk. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, it was so important for him to understand things. And you just see that kind of different mentality that Thrawn has you know, than than the other officers in the in the Empire. It's fascinating mm -hmm. stuff. And then him even letting the rebels go. He said, "Let them. Yeah. You know, they earned their they earned their victory today." So like, it's those little things with with Thrawn that throughout season three, and then I was saying season four, you really get a good sense of who he is as a villain and kind of his whole kind of methodical thinking of of to of beating these rebels at their own game in some way or fashion and to be steps ahead of them. It's just good stuff. And then, yeah, like you said, Hera, you know, destroying her, her, her family home, but, you know, realizing that her home is where her family is right now yep. and it will be forever. So yeah, just again, mm -hmm. you can't family, you know, those family themes are so huge in rebels, but it's a huge, huge theme in star Wars overall. And they, and they do it so well. In this episode, for sure. Yeah, but this you could almost play the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros home. Home is wherever <laughs> I'm with you. Hundred percent. Uh, and as far as Thrawn, you know, I, I have a weird relationship with the character of Thrawn. I I loved it in the Air to the Empire days. Looking back, a lot of those books don't hold up for me as much, but Thrawn does as a character, so I was really intrigued and and didn't expect him to come back. No disrespect to Zons, I, I saw to Timothy Zahn. I just don't connect with the new Thrawn novels as much as other people do. But the Thrawn and Rebel stuff works for me. And I was even even watching this one this morning to kind of refresh my my brain a little bit. And yeah, I I am a fan of this version of Thrawn. Again, I don't I don't mean that 
any disrespect to Timothy Zahn, the man who created Thrawn and, and knows him inside and out. I do love a lot of the stuff presented in the new Thrawn novels, but this one, uh, this example of Thrawn is, is one of my favorites and some of the stuff you cited, Lauren, of just him having the bigger picture play. And it's also interesting because of the stuff we have learned in canon now with the new Thrawn novels, uh, when he's getting mad at Slavin, the, the Imperial officer who's just kind of a dolt and can't see the bigger picture, and he kind of grabs him and has that moment of anger. It's like in my head I'm thinking, is Thrawn saying, like, why why am I giving my, my up myself for this empire? Why, I mean, is it really for my people? I just want to throw him out a window, and I just wonder what internal struggles are going through his head. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it is interesting. I, I haven't read the original Timothy Zahn um, Thrawn novels. It's It's on my list to do for sure, but... Yeah, definitely, the, I, I have connected with this version of Thrawn, you know, because of Rebels. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed the the canon books of Thrawn a little bit more only because I can see, you know, I see where they were going with him in the books and trying to connect it, which mm-hmm. is beautiful, especially in the later um, Thrawn books uh, for in the canon. But yeah, Thrawn's such he's just an interesting character. And it's one of those characters that you really you do, especially reading the canon books, you know, for me, it's like where, like you kind of said, where does his allegiance lie? I mean, he's doing it for the Empire, but we know from the canon books, he's you know, he's all about the Chiz and mm-hmm. his people, his planet. So it's just a fascinating kind of uh character that's kind of playing both sides, but but you, you wouldn't know that in Rebels unless you read the books. But yeah. the version of that you see in Rebels, like you're saying, is so methodical, so villainous, and so you know calculated. It, it's a scary, scary kind of uh, and different type of villain that we have seen in Star Wars, and yeah. it's it's just great that they they brought him in Rebels perfectly, and like it, he was just a perfect fit for this type of crew for sure. Hey, you know, that's one of the examples of, of, of why Dave gets the credit he does. And I, and I do love Dave Filoni. I think sometimes uh, his, the team doesn't get as much credit, you know, as yeah, around I agree him. With that. But Dave I agree would with probably, that. Yeah, Dave would be the first to give them credit, to be clear. But this is one of the moments where I'm like, all right, you know what? I wasn't sure what this would be. And and I do like it there. So that is my, um, that is my uh, choice there. But we're going to go into your number three. Three choice for your favorite Star Wars Rebels episode. What do you think? Yeah, have? number three. We're staying in season two, mm. and I am going with uh, season two, episode 17, The Honorable Ones. And this is a huge Zeb and Callus character episode. I mean, yeah. this is just some really deep stuff. I mean, you really see that history that started in season one. And it builds to this kind of moment in in this in this episode, you know, their conversations while they're stranded on the moon outside of Geonosis. I mean, just really, mm-hmm. really, really deep stuff. I mean, Cal's explaining why the Empire will will prevail because you know they're gaining more uh, people by the minute, and then Zeb explaining, "No, dude, you guys are losing people. The rebellion is gaining more people than you realize." You know, it's just them kind of going back and forth. And then Callus explaining that mission that led to the massacre of Lasats, which, you know, was a, was a big deal for uh, Zeb in season one when he first sees Callus and he sees mm-hmm. him with that Lasat bow rifle. And yep. then, you know, that, you know, a couple episodes prior to this one is when Zeb sees that, you know, he wasn't the last Lasat and that his people are thriving. 
I, it's, a, it's a huge thing for that episode to happen and then for Zeb to come in here because I think his whole mentality would have been very different if, if I think if he thought the Lasats were still, you know, massacred by this, by Callus and his people. But then Callus explaining, like I said, Callus explaining that mission to Lasats and then Zeb realizing that that bow rifle that Callus was given was in a show of respect from the Lasat that gave it to him. Yeah. Heavy, just heavy stuff, just heavy stuff, heavy, heavy stuff with these two. You know, and then there were so many moments in this episode that Zeb could have left Callus because he was injured. And then there were moments where Callus could have betrayed Zeb, you know, mm-hmm. but they learned and they knew they needed one another to survive and to get out of the situation that they that they were in. And I don't think we have seen like a, a rebel and a imperial in in any other situation kind of come together and work together and gain this kind of friendship. Maybe what Battlefront Two had that Luke Skywalker and I'm blanking on the guys. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Mika, tell Mika. Mika, yes. Yeah, I mean, Mika, we yeah. we had that in that um, in that video game, but you know, for it to be in in, in animation. It was really cool to see. And then, you know, the ending of, you know, them showing, you know, just knowing that they survived together and then that the respect that they had for one another, which, again, would lead to Callus defecting and becoming Falcrum down the, you know, in the end of uh, Mm -hmm. season three. And then, you know, that that one of the great shots that I love, this little moment of Callus when he returns to the to his to the ship. And he says, you know, he calls for uh, Constantine, you know, says hello. And Constantine just kind of shrugs him off. He just says callous. So mm. it's like he at that moment realizes that he is just another cog in the wheel of the yeah. Empire and that he doesn't really have friendships and he doesn't really have anything that Zeb has because he saw mm-hmm. Zeb. He saw what his friends yeah. w- went yeah. through to get him. So it's a big revelation for Callus in this episode and again it's why he defects and becomes Falcom you know later on in the series and yeah such a heavy heavy episode of just yeah. Zeb and Callus but man the implications moving forward were huge just huge so this is why I had it uh, yeah. so high in my list for sure yeah, uh, th- th- deserves it. And uh, I got to tell you, and Brad Rao directed it. Of course, uh, now he's doing a lot of work with Jennifer Corbett over on uh, Bad Batch. Kevin yep. Hart uh, yep. wrote it, aired in February 2016. I, uh, first of all, funny confession, when we're making this list, you know, I'll have the, the guests exchange, uh, you know, we don't want to step on each other's choices. Uh, you know, I got your list and I thought, oh, good. Lauren didn't include uh, the Callus Zeb one. I've got to include that. It's one of my absolute top five favorite episodes. And I went to look it up. I just had forgot the title. And I was like, oh, it's the honorable ones. Dope. So, uh, <laughs> very good. You can have a safe way in this there, buddy. Yeah, I, I, I could not have this discussion without this episode. It, it is a classic bottle episode. Uh, it is a classic, uh, you know, trope of, of uh, uh, two, two, two people on opposite sides and having to work together or having some kind of connection. And you're right. I hadn't really seen this uh, in Star Wars to this degree. Uh, I always reference that it uh, reminds me a lot of the uh, sci-fi 80s movie uh, Enemy Mine with uh, uh, it was that Dennis Quaid. 
and mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting his name? Iron Eagle himself, uh, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Gosh, uh, he's so wonderful. If, if anyone, no mm-hmm. one's seen that film, Enemy Mine is is a mind trip. I, I I went I went to the theater to see that movie as a kid, thinking it was a new Star Wars. It was not. It was a different. <laughs> Uh, nice. <laughs> I love that movie. And, and this episode has those undertones. And also there's a very famous episode of MASH. Yes, I made a MASH reference where Alan Alda's uh, character, Hawkeye Pierce, um, gets uh, crashes in a Jeep and he is in a, uh, a Korean family's home. Uh, you know, tactically, the, 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 uh, uh, did I say, excuse me, I said Korean. I'm thinking of the, uh, yeah, the Korean War. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I got, a, I got, I got Vietnam and Korean War all mixed up. My uncle fought <laughs> one of them, not the other one. Uh, MASH lasted longer than the Korean War. This I know. But he is with, uh, he's with a family that is technically the enemy. And it is, it's a fascinating, gripping episode. Take all that, take the, all those influences and, and put it into, uh, this episode, it's just, it's deep, it's powerful, it's great Star Wars storytelling. It leads to all the things you're talking about with Callus. It leads to the great um, kind of revelations that maybe Callus does have a little bit more honor than he had previously revealed, where, you know, he got that bow rifle because uh, the last uh, uh, the Lasat honor guard had given it to him because uh, they he defeated them in an honorable duel. So there's things that almost played out, which is interesting because it's almost like a Game of Thrones twist yes, on, a, on a villain yes. character and if i i still contend if i i want if, if they were ever to do a live action uh callus nicolaj coster waldo jamie lannister himself i think could pull it off perfect uh, uh, and, and perfect. do the character anyways side discussion for some kind of we'll see what feloni's going to put in the ahsoka show maybe callus shows <laughs> up there. Who knows? Who right knows? um so yeah so there's all that all that at play in this episode and it's uh it's just um one of Joseph and I's favorite kind of descriptions for episodes is tone poem. We use that a lot. We, we, we joke. We know we do use it a lot. But this episode has that kind of vibe. It is a slow roast and ballad of a song as an episode. And I love it. So happy you included that. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I, I couldn't leave it off the table because it's just the implications of it moving forward with these two characters. And then really throughout the series, you know, it's just, it was huge. It was really, really a huge moment for both, you know, mm-hmm. obviously Callus for defecting and realizing that maybe he was fighting for the wrong reasons. And even for Zeb to kind of forgive and forget and realize that, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Callus's fault. You know, he was just following orders and, you know, it, it was just one of those moments where Zeb really, I think, was able to, to let go of that anger uh, that he and had for Callus, for sure. That, that, that Lauren, that's an underrated part of not just this, this episode, but that Zeb mm-hmm. and 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 Callus kind of story, which is uh, the uh, jumping in the end of the show where they kind of um, they kind of go off and have adventures together, essentially going to uh, uh, the slot homeworld there, and it's yeah. out on like yeah. Gimli and Legolas in <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. And never the two shall meet. And then suddenly they become pals uh, going around the galaxy. I've loved that angle as well. So great choice, Lord. Great choice on that one. Your third choice for your favorite Rebels episode, The Honorable One, season two, episode 17. Crazy season two, early on in the show there. Right. Uh, right. We're uh, going to go to my number three. Bring out the hankies because we're going to do some crying. My number three choice for my most favorite Star Wars Rebels episode is season four, episode 10. Jedi Knight. Oh, here comes the waterworks. <laughs> every time. Every time. 
blubber, blubber, blubber. This is the episode in which Kanan Jarrus, I guess I should issue a spoiler war- warning, Kanan Jarrus dies. Caleb <laughs> Doom passes away. Uh, Filoni and Henry Gilroy uh, wrote this episode. Sal Ruiz directed it, aired in uh, February of 2018. Man, I mean, this is some of uh, the, 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 I'll jump to the death itself, Lauren. It is just rewatching it about 20 minutes before I sent you the link to record today. And it got me then. It's so, you talk about Kiner's music. Everything comes together so tragically beautiful. Uh, Hera staring at uh, the person she loves as, as he's about to sacrifice himself. Uh, Sabine wiping tears away as, and, and just Price thinking she, you know, she's saved the day for her empire and then everything explodes and really destroys the full fuel depot, which affects a lot of operations. Everything's at play, but it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And we're going to dive into some of the stuff that in the episode, but I often talk about Star Wars on those emotions and how it makes us feel. That's why uh, the, the book I wrote, Why We Love Star Wars, is based in that. Why We Love Star Wars is these moments, big and small, that we go either cool, like the B-Wing blowing up things, or whoa, that got me. And this episode, this episode, this moment, Lauren, is about allowing yourself as a fan to feel and to mm-hmm. go with the journey. We we kind of thought when the show started, not unlike Clone Wars with Ahsoka, like, well, something's got to happen to these characters, right? And, and the creators find interesting ways to deal with those uh, problems, if you will, and I don't think they're problems. They're storytelling opportunities, right? Right. Caden, a lot of us had him pegged for death from episode one of, of Rebels, even before <laughs> right. when they announced the Cowboy Jedi at, at Comic Con. We're like, Freddie Prince Jr. is going to voice the Cowboy Jedi. Um, we kind of had it figured out, not figured out, but just like, ah, eh, it just kind of makes sense. Well, here it is. It did make sense, but it exceeded mm-hmm. expectations, if you will, if you could have expectations for a death. It is powerful, and it makes you. It makes you cry. It makes you feel, which is something Star Wars should do. And out of that darkness will arise hope. Uh, and out of that darkness, a, a, a light will shine. And I think they're able to pull that off. So I'll start with there, Lauren. Then we can dive into some of the details on the episode because there's a lot of other things going on here. But mm-hmm. take me back to the moments that you watched this for the first time. Oh, man. I I remember heading into this that episode, you just had a feeling of something was going to happen, especially <laughs> when, when the beginning of that episode and, you know, the whole, the whole montage of him cutting off his ponytail, shaving, like it was such a, I mean, the music that kind of mm. used for that whole oh. scene, beautiful stuff. I mean, it was so, you know, it was just like, okay, something's happening. And then the way he was talking to everybody, he was talking to Zeb, how he was talking to Ezra and Sabine, how he was talking to Hera. Like you were just like, okay, something's happening, but I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or bad thing. And then that whole, you know, like you're saying, the, the explosion, him pushing the fire back, which was, God, that, that. That's such great animation. Yeah. And then him being able to see Hera, mm-hmm. you know, with his own eyes and her seeing him for that last time. And then him and then her, you know, him pushing her away. I mean, my God. And then, you know, what you know what really hit me, Ken, to be honest, is sure. how they end that episode with the white yeah. background and like the gray writing of rebels and just silence. And you were just yes. like, Wow, I need to process this for like a week before yeah. I can watch the next episode because yeah. it was so heavy because 
you know, like you're saying, like it just, it felt that way. It felt mm-hmm. heavy. It felt necessary, but it felt like it was so, I guess, earned, if that makes sense to you. Like yeah. it was such a earned, earned death by Kanan yeah. that you almost were just like, wow, that, that is such a Jedi thing to do. And it was just, yeah. it was beautiful how they pulled it off. Beautiful. Just yeah, again, yeah. When everyone is kind of going, "Hey, this is what we think is going to happen," and it happens, and then it, you know it delivers, even there there might have been some expectation. That's pretty impressive, and and you're right. Yeah, it had that uh, again to reference to Game of Thrones of like you can uh, could always kind of tell that maybe a character was on the way out when they had one great monologue. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, Barristan just gave a great speech. Something, some good ain't going to happen. All through this episode, there's so many moments where you just got a sense of what was coming. And, and you say, yeah, Kanan does have kind of a goodbye in a way with everybody. But even though, again, as uh, Kanan has, you know, a presence in the show, uh, still, uh, you know, in what remains of season four. But this is uh, Kanan's minimum. And then the, the haircut, the the taking the, the the shield off. So we see his, uh, his eyes, his damaged eyes, and it kind of returned to Caleb Doom in a way. Like, it's all there. And, and, and the shot of the, his eyes kind of going kind of a, I've always interpreted as kind of the clarity returning in another way. And, and there's a lot of different ways to interpret that ending, but also, you know, the stuff that I, I do want to touch, we, you and I could probably talk about this all day and, and start crying just on, on the whole thing. <laughs> right. You know, there's all stuff all the way through this. This episode deals with Kanan's emotions and his attachment to Hera and good attachment over bad. Uh, when, you know, what, what are you holding on to and his ability to let, let go for the better of, of those around him, which, Ties into some stuff, Yoda and Luke on Dagobah. We've talked about that recently in Force Center. A lot of those things are there. And it all kind of, um, it starts with him kind of telling Ezra, you know, hey, I want you to lead this mission because my emotions with Hera, you know, kind of clogging my, my mind, so to speak, on it. Which So there's there's that first passing of a baton. You're like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love all the themes there. Uh, Kanan saying people never pay attention to the world around them, which has a lot to do with what's going on in the episode, but connecting that to the bigger Star Wars themes of, you know, Anakin to his mom, no one ever helps, and what happens in, in episode nine, I think, I think you can, with everyone with the Citizens Fleet showing up, I think you can trace it to this kind of thing there. It's a big Star mm-hmm. Wars theme but little moments here then i'll kick it back to you lauren i the bonus that hera is tortured let's just not beat around that bush there she's Mm -hmm. she is uh not a good spot um but the end result is she's wonderfully just comically loopy (laughs) like like a dog (laughs) following a surgery who doesn't know what's going she is out of it i love it it's a great comedy and the fact that leads it almost sets you up for maybe they're not gonna do it Maybe they're not going to do it because uh, they're loopy. It's a little rom-com. They share a big kiss and then, oh, God, no. Uh, and then one of the final things when 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 he's rescuing, uh, Kanan's rescuing Hera, and they get to that glider. And and she says, you you know, you, you came in on this shipper. And she he goes, the kids came up with that one. And just straight up referencing it like that. The kids came up with that one, setting them just 100% as the parents of this crew. That's one of my favorite little moments in this episode and Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I just, it was just, it was those little moments of, you know, him telling Hera, you know, like, like you were saying that comic when he's like, oh, it looks like the, uh, uh, whatever the, the truth serum was doing to you. Like he was making, you know, making fun of it, uh, and everything like that. But for him to even have the wherewithal to get the Calicori and, and know how important that was to her, to her family, to, you know, 
to to her. Really, I mean, really, it was yeah. so important to her. Like we just talked about it uh, a couple a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And then for him to you know even realize, you know, because like you're saying that he tells Ezra that he has you know that he has to lead the mission because of his feelings. But it's almost like he knew what was happening, you know, like he knew what was the path that he was taking, what it was going to lead to possibly. Obviously, you know, visions can be uh, misinterpreted, as we all know, in Star Wars. But, you know, you did get the sense of like he knew the choices he was going to make. It was going to lead to this point. And then to even think that he knew where he would need to be and to be at top of the middle fuel pod. And Mm -hmm. what would happen is, you know, if Price does do what she did, he knew that would disrupt everything. So even in, you know, that that mindset of him knowing this might be the end. Yeah. He still knows, knows the assignment, as kids say these days. (laughs) He he accomplishes, (laughs) he accomplishes the mission without even really, without them even realizing it until the next episode. And it was, it's just those little moments were just so good. So good. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, Kanan Jarris knows the assignment there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, great <laughs> stuff. Yeah, great stuff uh, about that episode. Uh, so powerful. Jedi Knight. We were all collectively crying on February 19th, 2018. That is my Absolutely. number three choice. Lauren, we're up to your number two choice here on a special Star Wars rank. What do you got? Yeah, so number two, number two, we have season two, episodes 21 and 22. You all know it, Twilight of the Apprentice. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, man. Uh, Talk about a (laughs) way to bring season two to an end. Yeah. I mean, you have the return of Maul. Mm -hmm. And just when you think this guy was done... As you know, as the famous movie line says, they pull him back in and he's back and he's back. And it's just shows how he's such the ultimate survivor in Star Wars until, you know, obviously the later on in season three. But it was such a perfect time to bring him back Mm -hmm. because he's such the perfect villain to entice Ezra with the dark side. I mean, if it can only be Maul, I think with what he has gone through as a quote unquote dark sider, which he doesn't really say he's a Sith anymore. He just goes by Maul, mm-hmm. you know, and his, you know, his ultimate goal is to, you know, destroy all his enemies. So his kind of views is something that Ezra at the time too, was really struggling with. So he was only like, he was the perfect person to kind of be that, you know, dark, you know, that dark angel on his shoulders. Yeah. And then obviously his return leads to some outstanding stuff in season three. And then, you know, we, we go to Ezra's, you know, small beginning journey of going down that dark side, you know, Maul's manipulation in Ezra needing to know how to stop, you know, needing to know how to stop the Sith, you know, in helping him figure that out. Ezra, you know, Maul knew what, what to do, what to say to Ezra to, to entice him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then Ezra just believing what Ma was saying to him right away because it was how he was feeling at the time too, you know, which was yeah. in total contradiction to what Kanan was teaching. And there were even moments when Ezra was like, well, this isn't what Kanan has taught me, you know? So even Ezra was kind of, you know, thinking that maybe he shouldn't be doing it, but everything that, that Ma was telling him was making sense, you know, cause he wanted to defeat the Sith and, Maul was showing him 
this is the way to do it. You know, you have to be ruthless. He was trying to get him to go down those those dark tendencies. Yeah. So just again, you know, the Ezra Mal stuff was was great. You know, and obviously that leads to Canaan and Ezra's small riff, which kind of continues in season three a little bit. You know, and then obviously Canaan losing his sight. Man, what a twist. That was such a twist and not, you know, something mm-hmm. that I didn't yeah. really see coming. Yeah. And it's such a, you know, for a character like him who tried to hide his force abilities for such a long time. And now he has to use them to survive moving forward. Huge, just yeah. huge, huge, huge stuff. You know, and then um, again, it just it starts this big journey for Kanan moving forward through the series, you know, and the whole Bendu stuff in season three. Right. Again, it all kind of starts here in, um, you know, the uh, this episode. And obviously we can't not talk about obviously Vader and Ahsoka. I yeah. mean, you oh, that little thing. That yeah, little that, thing. Just yeah. that small little, you know, uh, yeah. and anticipation that they really booked. And, you know, from the beginning of this season, yeah. you know, when they introduce, you know, Vader, Anakin, and then him finding out that Ahsoka lives her journey throughout the season and finding out who the Sith Lord was and kind of, her having to accept that realization and it's just outstanding storytelling. Mm. And then the, the actual fight between them is so emotional, gut wrenching, yep. you know, and then especially when she slices Vader's mask and she hears Anakin's voice, you know, and oh, she's, yeah. you know, and she says, you know, I'm not going to leave you this time. And that hesitation. And when you, I mean, us fans knowing that obviously, he does, you know, he doesn't go with her. But there's that moment where we're like, man, is is he going to? Like, did he really think about it? Because you mm-hmm. could argue mm-hmm. that maybe he did. But then obviously he turns into, you know, then you will die. So he turns into that Vader, you know, monster that, you know, we we have grown up knowing that he would become. So, and obviously this leads into the big questions of, you know, Ahsoka, did she survive? Ahsoka lives, question mark. You know, that whole fun yeah. journey of uh, of Rebels heading into season three and four. I mean, just what an episode to end season two on, especially yeah. when you bring in Vader in season two at the beginning yeah. and then you end it with him and Ahsoka. I mean, Dave and crew knew what they were doing and they knew how to pull those heartstrings. And then really one of my favorite shots is the ending of, you know, seeing Ezra open that Sith holocron in kind of the, yep. the red kind of, t- you know, you see the red in his eyes and it's just like, ooh, man, because that really sparks some, you know, kind of, is he going to turn dark side? Is he going to go down that path? Because Maul's involved now. So just a lot of great, again, setup that leads into, you know, more things down the line within this series. It's 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 top notch. Some of the top notch storytelling in all Star Wars is this in, is in this finale of season two in twilight of the apprentice yeah it's big it's big time it big time in the sense of just this is a a animated show on a kids network you know you're going to i always used to make the joke of uh you know you think you're you, you hear you're taking star wars so seriously then it goes to commercial for like you know uh candy and toys and the, you know you're like what's going on but latest but, nerf gun that yeah nerf gun commercials and 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 you're still processing the big stuff, but that's the point. Is this is big time stuff indeed? Everything you're saying, I, I can only echo about what it means. And yeah, my one of my favorite moments in Star Wars is Ahsoka 
cracking that uh, face uh, face plate of Vader and, and you hear Matt Lanter's uh, Anakin. And I, I'm with you. I've always interpreted it as there is a split second where he is just like, she's the only one that could have reached him in that moment. I'm not saying overall. I, I, I still, you know, little Luke guy has some stuff to say about that. Exactly, uh, but I, yeah. I think because of their connection, because the connection is so powerful and her having to accept him and, and truly accepts the truth in this moment, um, it's, 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 you know, powerful is the only word I could say because, because, because it is, and it's, it's big, it's epic, and it's all on the small screen in front of us. So we could not have this discussion, Lauren, without these two episodes. And yeah, you emailed me, said, could I do two parters as one? And absolutely. <laughs> While well, I the apprentice season two, episode 22 and uh, 23 to close it out. And uh, this is also, I was just going over the, the notes here. It's the last one that takes place in year three before the Battle of Yavin. So we're three years before New Hope during right. the moment here. It, it's, and it felt like kind of just like what you said a little bit ago is that it felt so cinematic on a small screen. Like it mm-hmm. was that kind of type of storytelling and the animation, the music that Kiner did with the, you know, during the Ahsoka and Vader fight. Yeah. I mean, and then we had to wait, what, two years, three years until know <laughs> yeah. what happened to Ahsoka? Because, yeah. you know, during this, we thought she, you know, at yeah. that point, we thought she left the order. We didn't know where she was. And then she shows up in season two and then she's gone again. You're just like, what is going on? Uh, so, yeah, oh, we had a couple, times. More, couple more years of uh, Filoni changing t shirts at Comic Con panels. <laughs> exactly. And all Filoni, Simon Kimberg, Stephen Melching wrote this episode. Filoni directed it at a well done job uh, if we don't say or do say so ourselves right. all right that is your number two choice we're going to my number two choice and we'll take a quick break talk about honorable mentions and our number ones but my number two choice is season three episode 20 twin sons here's the thing i'll confess something lauren i almost thought ah this is my favorite episode of star wars rebels and it should be the number one choice here but <laughs> i'll say this i don't think it's a, a correct criticism. I, I don't. I don't think it's correct to say this is an episode that's not about the rebels crew. I think it's all part of the story, and it's got Ezra and Maul stuff all the way through it. But I also understand the note and understand the criticism. This is this little side, almost short film about Kenobi and Maul, and and uh, the whole story ending up here. But because Maul's so layered into such a so many important parts of Star Wars Rebels and moments, it, it definitely counts. And, and it's why I rebuffed some of that criticism. But uh, this episode is wonderful. We've talked about it in all other places. Your podcast, Force Center. I've talked about it. I, I've talked about it at the coffee shop, if anyone will listen. I, I love this <laughs> episode and I love the lightsaber fight between Kenobi and Maul. It is the battle of uh, stasis, not growing versus change and growth. It is about empathy. It's about compassion. It's about vengeance. All these gigantic Star Wars poster-worthy themes come down to this beautiful, realistic, short, brutal fight and ends with Maul dying in the arms of Kenobi. And, 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 this, and the more information we keep getting about Maul, about him carrying this rejection there's a lot going on with him he is sold as a weapon of 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 hate and trained as a blunt weapon by palpatine but knowing that he he just why did the jedi never find me i was force sensitive and they didn't go around the galaxy and save me from the life of pain that i ended up having and and him having to deal with that and dying in the arms of of the jedi he wanted to kill the one he he focused so much rage on it's it's deep it's just deep and there's no other way that i can say it and I just love it and ends uh, with Kenobi watching a young Luke Skywalker um, 
and and kind of confirming that he believes, at least at this point in his life, Kenobi's words, that uh, this is the chosen one. And, and words, uh, dialogue from characters is not exactly fact for canon-related stuff, but <laughs> I accept that one there. So, and the great start with that, and Ezra, and Ed, Ezra's placing it, and Kenobi addressing it, of, you're not supposed to be here. Uh, the great Stephen Stanton uh, doing this version of Kenobi. I, I'm a fan of James Arnold Taylor too, but a giant fan of Stephen Stanton. And I just think he nailed this one too. So I, I could just ramble and ramble on about this, Lauren, but this absolutely is uh, one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars storytelling. Love this episode. It's such a, like how you said it, it's such a, like, a, it's almost an indie Star Wars film, <laughs> like absolutely. a 30 minute indie Star Wars film because it's, it connects so much with, you know, that scene of them, Maul and Kenobi finally seeing each other after how many years. And, you know, the fact to me that I felt that Kenobi really wasn't shocked to see Maul. So it's like, yeah, he always knew he was around and he always kind of knew eh, maybe we'll our paths will cross again. Yeah. And then, you know, to to see it come to fruition and for Kenobi to do what he did. And, you know, I know some people complain that it was such a short fight, but that, that, it, that makes it more beautiful to me because these two have probably, well, especially for Maul, I will say, Maul's probably been thinking about this moment for the longest time. Yeah. And, you know, for it to be over that quickly, to me, makes so much sense is because obviously, A, they know each other so well. I mean, how many times have they fought each other through the Clone Wars, and through all, you know, all, and obviously starting with, you know, Phantom Menace, I mean, they knew each other. They were so, you know, ingrained of how each other would move. It's not surprising that Kenobi, you know, figured out what he was going to do. And then there's that great video, and you've probably seen it too, Ken, of um, Sam Whitmer breaking down the scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's some, if you guys haven't seen that, that's, the, that's just a great little video. Of how he breaks it down to, you know, how Kenobi's stance is to Maul's and Maul was going to use the same move he did against Qui-Gon. I mean, it's those little things that really make this episode so deep, just so yeah. deep, like you're saying, like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and the thing on that, I mean, it's always been just, you know, this idea of, you know, Maul doesn't grow and, and mm -hmm. Kenobi knows that and he doesn't change and he's still fueled by uh by vengeance and yeah it's all it's all on display there it's so wonderful yeah what we're uh obviously it knows maul uh, very well plays the character so well and it's 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 great to watch so all right that's my number two choice twin sun season three episode 20 i could do two hours on that episode alone and maybe oh, right, one day we, we will here <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break on the other side we're gonna run through some honorable mentions and then get to our number one choices here a very special star wars ranks special guest born row Stick around, friends. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 <laughs>
friends, welcome back to Star Wars Ranked. I've been having a blast ranking my favorite Star Wars Rebels episodes and talking about Lauren Romo's favorite Star Wars episodes from uh, Star Wars Rebels, I should say. So many just Star Warses and titles around here. You guys know what we're talking about. Welcome back. Uh, Lauren, before we get to our number one choices, we got a couple honorable mentions we're just gonna gonna run through here. What almost mm-hmm. made your list here? Because these are some tough cuts. Yeah. Oh, God. Tough cuts indeed. We, you and I both kind of talked about that uh, when we were messaging each other about our list. Um, so a couple of mine, um, Path of the Jedi and Shroud oh. of Darkness. Obviously, two of those, you know, those yeah. episodes are the ones where they go back to the Thal Temple. Beautiful stuff. Just beautiful, you know, obviously through lines and everything like that. Great episodes. Um, Heroes of Mandalore. Big Sabine stuff in season four, episodes one and two to kick off season four was great and then my sneaky favorite honorable mention is double agent droid uh with <laughs> chopper yes. and ap5 yes. do a mission and i love it clearly for ap5 singing in space <laughs> i need more of it Look, I, 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 I am on record, unfortunately, over at uh, Jedi Council when I was on that uh, circus of a show over there, um, <laughs> just saying, I uh, f- probably said the filler word, probably got so I was so grumpy that AP5 was singing in space. And then it was Stephen <laughs> Sand himself, who I had since become friends with uh, uh, through that show. It just kind of slapped me on the wrist to explain why the episode was a little bit of a lower budget episode to say you need to save money for the bigger fights and mm-hmm. why that came at that point, but also the lessons there. And you're right. Double Edge Android, I can't wait to discuss it in detail on Force Center at some point. Eventually, Joseph and I will be getting to a kind of Star Wars Rebels report kind of thing. We're just, you know, a little Clone Wars show we're, we're getting through here. Um, <laughs> I, I love this episode. So great choices, Lauren. Yeah, we have it. I mean, you you could spend a whole show talking about uh, 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 the Jedi Temple stuff and all this stuff, but it, it's only mm-hmm. honorable mentions here, which is uh, how deep this show is. Right. Yeah, um, it, it's super deep, super deep stuff that it's hard to pick. Like you're saying, it, it's there's just so much stuff, so much stuff that Rebels presents uh, throughout each season. Yeah, it, it's just beautiful stuff. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, so those are your honorable mentions. And again, we, you, <laughs> uh, you and I could probably list like almost every episode and say it's almost there. Exactly. I wore the show is. <laughs> In fact, so two, uh, my honorable mentions, and I, I, I couldn't believe I'm not including some of these, uh, the last battle season three, episode six, which is kind of mm-hmm. the close of the spiritual closing of the clone wars with Rex and the clone oh, commanders yeah. and, and the separatists and, the, the, the strategy droid. Love that episode. Ghost of Geonosis, which has my favorite guy, Saw Guerrero, showing up again, connecting uh, to some of the bigger answers around Geonosis. And then A World Between Worlds. I'm not putting that on this top five. And and there was a point where I called that my like one of my favorite episodes, Rebels. But And I still love mm-hmm. it. And, and it's it, it just other time has changed my perspective on other episodes more than this one. So it's an on, only Lauren and honorable mention. And that's crazy, right? Crazy to think that that is an honorable mention for us because, right? It didn't even make my it didn't make my list, but it's an honorable mm-hmm. mention for sure. It's one of those yeah. episodes you got to talk about, hundred percent. You got to, you got yeah. to. But we are going to talk about our final two choices here. Our number one selections for our favorite Star Wars Rebels episodes. I'll go first, so Lauren can close the show with her number one episode. I am going to, and I, I thought about that. I thought about what did I want to say here with my number one slot here. I'm going <laughs> to season three, episode eighteen, secret. 
Cargo. This is the Mon Mothma speech episode. Premise is pretty simple. The ghost needs to uh, get a special cargo. They're not really sure what it is, and they learn it is Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma's on the run. She has uh, uh, started to speak out against the emperor, the empire, and uh, her attachment to the rebellion is uh, either uh, about to be learned or starting to be learned uh, by others who we don't want to know have this knowledge. Uh, it also see. We also see Dutch Vander, uh, John Dutch Vander and the Gold Squadron. We got some good old Y-Wings and and we got some great action with the Nebula flames uh, damaging a Star Destroyer, uh, all those kind of things. I could spend a lot of time on that, but this episode has the the core of the rebellion in Star Wars and in this show. It's right at the center of it here. Why I chose as my number one favorite episode, Mothma's speech. At the end of the episode, this is after all the action, and she basically now is out of hiding. She's basically saying, I am on Mothma. I'm resigning from the Senate. I'm going to be on the front lines of this rebellion. It's not a secret anymore. She needs to get all the cells together. We got a little bit of tension between Gold Squadron and Phoenix Squadron because all the cells don't really know each other. They're hearing each other. We see that on display in this episode. This is, and she says at one point, Mothma, this is our rebellion. Because after she delivers the speech, there's a beat where no one shows up. And then one by one, the ships come out of hyperspace. And it will move you if you're not kind of expecting it, if you're on a rewatch here. And the reason is, Lauren, I'll end my monologue here. This (laughs) traces back to uh, if you grew up with the original trilogy or whenever you discovered it. It doesn't matter, but I, I can only speak from my specific perspective. There's stuff in the Return of the Jedi novelization I've talked a lot about here on Force Center. There's a great section. If you never read that novel, I highly recommend it. Uh, there's a great section on Mon Mothma, which if you just take out that page, page and a half about Mon Mothma, it almost looks like a treatment for Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> it, 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 it almost looks like, oh, Filoni read this and went, we got a show. And now you just put some characters around it. Uh, it is it is spectacular. And, and Mothma being this spiritual leader and a, a de facto leader needing to come together, needing to be this focal point and needing to stand up. And, and, and what that does to not just inspire people, but connect the cells. This is the core of the rebellion. And she's got some great lines earlier in the episode. She says, the emperor has crushed freedom bit by bit. Uh, so she's going to fight against that. And again, as she says, this is our rebellion. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, such a great episode and really the the start of the rebellion as a whole, you know, bringing, like you're saying, kind of bringing the cells together, having people come together and become a bigger, larger threat to the Empire, not just these little off cells that they were. So it's a huge moment. And like you're saying, huge to have my Mothma so critical to the overall rebellion and for you know the ghost crew to be the ones that kind of got her to that meeting to really start and to build more hope in the galaxy was really cool to see like you're saying the the art the artwork the animation is so good through the nebula stuff you know thrawn thinking or i think it was price thinking that they had her but then obviously you know they they get away just a lot of good, 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 you know, deep Star Wars connections, like you're saying, that move the story forward, get us closer to A New Hope, get us, get us closer to, you know, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just great episode. It's one that I don't think gets talked about a lot and one that has, I think, really deep meaning, not just in Rebels, but Star yeah. Wars overall storytelling. 
Yeah, well, why it ended up number one for me. I'm just looking at uh, a lot of, you know, the Twin Sons. All right, all right maybe that's Kenobi Mall focused. And I, yeah, this <laughs> and that. And the Leia, I love the Leia one. I don't want to just roll out all the, you know, these original trilogy characters and, and all, and, you know, although I don't think it makes the galaxy small. I don't believe that at all. These are wonderful right, right. these characters and, and, and how, um, how they interact with the, these new characters here. But, um, yeah, to me, this is a look at Star Wars Rebels. It is a story. It is a story and a show about rebels and the rebellion <laughs> and uh, the 19 years between uh, revenge of the sith and a new hope and how we get there to there and and this is uh this is one of them as well this is what to me the most important episode and my most favorite episode i'm listing it here though again if you hadn't used the honorable ones i might have i might have slid that into the slot here <laughs> which would have been a great choice man it's, it's you know all all these have been such good choices i mean Indeed. hard 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 stuff to pick from this show Indeed, yeah. indeed, and yeah, and uh, and more Mon Mothma. I think she's a character that deserves even more storytelling yes. in Star Wars. Yeah. All right, I'm glad. And Genevieve O'Reilly voiced her on Rebels. She's uh, of course playing the character on Andor. Played her in mm-hmm. Rogue One and the deleted scenes of Revenge of the Sith. So love that connection there. All right, Lauren, we have we've done it. We have reached the number one choice. This was a list you wanted to do. So the spotlight is deservedly on you. What is your number one? choice for your most favorite star wars rebels episode yeah so number one man a huge sabine fan so my number one is season three episode 15 trials of the dark saber i mean you get so much character growth in a 20 minute episode it's incredible i mean the deep mandalorian history we get on the dark saber itself about uh, Tar Vizsla being the first Mando inducted to the Order, how the House Vizsla took the saber back after he died, the symbolism of it all, and then that connecting to Sabine and her family and how her family is obviously Clan Wren of House Vizsla. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Sabine knowing what that saber means to not just her, but to Mandalore overall. And the responsibility of that is what Sabine, you know, was not ready for because of her family history and, you know, what the meaning of it possibly of her ruling Mandalore. She was just not ready for that responsibility. And this episode was such a big Kanan episode too, you know, having to learn how to get through Sabine's tough exterior and to help her reveal what was holding her back uh, this whole entire time. You know, Kanan had a great quote of, you know, the force resides in all living things, but because Sabine is so conflicted, she is not open to it. And I, I love that little quote that he said when he was talking to Hera. And then, you know, throughout the episode, you know, Sabine is, you know, frustrated through, through, through it all. And it's so palpable, you know, Tia Sakara did an amazing job in this episode with, with her emotion, with everything that, that she portrayed in this episode, just outstanding. And then just, you know, just when you think Sabine was ready to open up, she reverted back to being that stubborn Mandalorian that she's always been. And, you know, it took it took Hera's wisdom to Kanan for him to realize that Sabine needed to own the responsibility and actually use the Darksaber in practice instead of those practice sticks that, you know, he taught Ezra with. And that was the only way that she was going to commit to this task that they were asking of her. You mm-hmm. know, and then the whole training monologue with Kanan and Yep. And Sabine was just beautiful and so emotional and powerful, you know, and then, you know, Kanan finally being able to break through to her and get Sabine to confront her fears and doubts, you know, the fear of returning to Mandalore and facing her past 
with the weapon that she built and that obviously leads into season four, you know, the fear of facing her family again after dishonoring them, the doubt of her family supporting her. And if she returns and, mm-hmm. you know, the feeling of the empire destroying her entire, you know, life up to that point, huge emotional stuff for Sabine to go through in this one episode. And it's been building since, you know, really the beginning of this show. And, and she finally kind of confronts it at this moment, yeah. you know, but Kanan being able to help her realize that, you know, her family now will always support her. It was just huge. And then again, the music in this episode was just outstanding. Sabine's um, theme is really beautiful and really well done by Kiner and you know how he uses it through this episode is is spectacular it's spectacular because it really does get you to those emotional places when he puts it in throughout this episode so yeah yeah I mean my number one's got to be you know the um trials of the dark saber it's, it's great stuff it's great a great stuff. Yeah, great choice, Laura. Great choice. I and 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 uh, putting together some stuff for uh, for the book. Uh, I, I wrote. I, I wanted. I wanted something around Sabine. I like. I remember. I was like, yeah, I love a lot of it there. And you know, first two seasons, we don't get to know her as well as maybe we thought we would or wanted right. to. There's. I remember right. some of those conversations going on out there. But season three, it really starts to work. And then this stuff, man, they just knew what they were going to get to. And yeah, Tisa Carr just. I mean, God, just heart wrenching stuff. But Canaan stuff too. The depth, the depth in Canaan struggling as a teacher and as a, a kind of a parental figure, along with Hera for this group. It's all there, like you said so well. So I can't even really add to it there. But if you haven't seen it in a while, friends, go back, watch this episode. You can jump right in. You've seen the show, you know. But maybe you haven't <laughs> focused on this one in a while. Her breakdown, her breakthrough, more than even a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about light coming out of darkness is wonderful. It's one of the the highlights of the show in terms of just. Yeah. Just everything, the writing, the performance, uh, it's all there. And a great representation of Star Wars Rebels. So, Lord, yep. you have chosen wisely, which is another <laughs> franchise you. we'll get. That's not our podcast, but. <laughs> that's fair. So, there, yeah, you, there you have it, my friends. We've done a, a nearly impossible task of finding our favorite and often the best, but our favorite Star Wars Rebels episodes. Uh, Lauren, I cannot thank you enough for coming on today. I'll, I'll let people find out where they can find you in a second. But for all of you listening, thanks for listening to Star Wars Ranked. You can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Star Wars Ranked with your favorite Star Wars Rebels episodes. Let us know. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube as well. We can uh, be found on Facebook. Like our page there at Force Center Podcast. We have merch at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. Uh, you can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash force, force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. I've been talking too much. You can follow me at catnapsock or go to my website, catnapsock.com. And if you want to pick up a copy of my book, Why We Love Star Wars, I don't talk about it a lot around these parts, but uh, it's out there. You can find it and, and read what I really think, the long form thoughts on Trial of the Dark Saber. Uh, Lauren, where can they find you and your wonderful shows? Yeah, so you can follow uh, the Galactic Podcast and the Geek Bros Pod, both on Twitter. Uh, Galactic Podcast is at the Galactic Pod, and the Geek Bros Cast is at the Geek Bros Pod on Twitter. And we are all on the major platforms, um, Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all of it. Go check it out. You can follow me on Twitter if you want, at Low Row Nose. Because Low Road does know. Lauren Rome, I <laughs> thank you so much for this topic idea and this wonderful list. It's been great. We'll do it again sometime, all right? Absolutely. Sounds good, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me on again. 
You got it. All right, Force Center friends, that's the episode. Star Wars has been ranked. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.